0: Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Velocity Church podcast. We love to hear about life change in our church. So if you have a story about how Velocity has made a difference in your life, send us an email at amen at findvelocity.org. Now sit back and enjoy today's message. What we're doing in this series, if you are new, is we are looking at God's rules for romance. We are getting real about our relationships and we're gonna have a lot of fun. Is that okay if we have fun in church? Is that all right? We like to have fun in our church. If it's your first time here, you need to know that about us. But you also need to know a couple other things. One, this is the kind of church that you belong before you believe. What does that mean? That means that you belong not just before you believe, before you behave. There's a distinction. But I also want to let you know we really do believe. Like this is a church that believes. We believe that the Bible is God's word. We believe that Jesus is God's son. We believe that he died on the cross for our sin, that he still saves, that he still forgives, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And so if you're here, and yeah, that's great. Put your hands together for that. We're also a, a talk back to me kind of church. That was the message last week. And I'm just to help train you up. Like, I just thought I got to practice what I preach. So I'm going to talk back to myself. I thought I might not get a lot of applause for this sermon today. So if I get discouraged, I'm just going to look down and be like, preach it, Justin. <laughs> you know, got to encourage myself in the Lord. But uh, you might not know a lot about the Bible. You might not even know where you stand with God or all your thoughts on God. That's okay. That's why I'm here. And what we do is we open up God's word and we learn together. And we learn how to live according to the Bible. So if you've ever wondered what God said on a certain subject, that's why you should come to church and can learn that. And what we're going to learn together in this series is God's plan for our love life. Anybody want to know about God's plan for your love life? Yeah. Nobody. Well, that's okay. I'll uh, I'll just come sit next to you, uh, and the two of us are going to study together. But uh, one thing you can count on if you come to this church is I'm always going to talk about relationships. Why am I going to do that? Because nothing's going to impact our life quite as much as the people in our lives. That's why you should make plans to be in a group, right? Because there are great people here. You need people in your life who are going to encourage you, walk with you, help you take a step when you need to take a step. And that's what groups are. There's all sorts of groups. I'm going to be in a group. Uh, I'm actually already in in one group, but I'm going to jump in on a couple of the others. There's a Monday night football group. I'm going to come to that. There's a group that talks over the sermon, talks about the sermon. I'm going to go to that just to see what people are saying about what I said. (laughs) There's some radiant groups. I might just, you know, show up at those. I've been known to do that before. So, but you want to get in a group because you need people in your life. And it's just this simple truth, whether your relationships are going great right now or whether, They're not in the shape that you want them to be in. This is the simple truth, that when your relationships are good, life is pretty good. When your relationships are bad, life is not so good. That's why I'm always going to spend time to talk about relationships. And maybe for you, you're dealing with this issue of how to keep your family ties from pulling all the strings in your life, or maybe you need to break up with someone, but you're trying to figure out how you can do that and still stay in one piece. Maybe your relationships are awesome, but you want to know how to take it to the next level. Or you could be here and you're in a desperate situation and you are hanging on by a thread. Well, regardless of where you're at on that scale, whether you are single, married, divorced, remarried, engaged, called to be single, whatever it is, you're going to get something out of this because God's word applies to all of our lives. It's not just for a few people wherever you're at. The Holy Spirit's going to speak to you today and personalize it for what you need to hear. That's why I always try and hit it from different angles because like last year we did till death do us part. That was a series just on marriage uh, before I did a series called shape of your heart. That was the building blocks for great relationships. We've been lots. I had somebody, Said to me, hey, are you gonna bring out good chemistry again? That's a throwback. I don't know if anybody remembers that one. We went through the Song of Solomon, and uh, you know, just great one, but be real easy for me to just re preach some stuff that I've preached before because one, there's always new people coming, and some of you've never heard it, and then you're in a new season now than when you were maybe the first time you heard it. But I, I want to do things a little differently, and that's what I'm going to do with this series is take a different approach. And to do that, we're going to lean into our romantic relationships. So even if you feel like God has called you to be single, you're still going to be blessed by this. Because a lot of the relationship problems we have aren't relationship problems. They're singleness problems that we bring into our relationships. So before we can touch on your relationship goals, we got to work on your relationship soul. We we, got to get you healthy on the inside. So we'll be dealing a lot with what's in here, your soul, your heart, you. Not your neighbor, not your spouse, not your boyfriend, your girlfriend, significant other, not any of that. I'm going to talk about you. Why is that? Because if you're broken, you're going to contaminate it. If you're hurting, you're going to destroy it. If you're messed up, you will somehow end up forfeiting the thing God gave you. And you'll end up holding someone else hostage to fix a problem that they didn't create. So, no matter where you're at, you're going to get some out of this. And I just want to say, if you don't believe me, don't like what I'm saying, get in a group, make a friend. Or if you're married, come to date night. That is just for married people. I haven't even hardly talked about that. But date night, just go to our short URL slash date night. And... It's like limited spots. It's already like halfway full. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to be there. Marissa's going to be there. A lot of people are going to be there. But uh, it's going to be great. And I want you to be there. So groups, date night, a long introduction. Let's get into God's word. You ready? Okay. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 16. I'll give you context once we get into the message. There's more to sex than mere skin on skin. Wow, we are going there. Just right off the bat. See, I told you I was going to approach this one a little differently. Because like normally I wait till week three. We're just jumping right in, right off the bat. Some of you didn't even know this was in God's word. Uh, you're like, I'm going to highlight this verse. Circle it. Remember it. Put it on a wall. There is more to sex than mere skin on skin. This is a PG-13 message, by the way. Um, so just say that now. We got a great Velocity Kids uh, Ministry that you can take your kids to, or maybe you want to volunteer and serve. Hey, we will run a background check on you, and you can serve right now, today. Join the Next Gen team. All right. Is anybody feeling awkward yet? Let's see if I can say this a third time. There is more to sex than mere skin on skin. What did you learn about in church today? Well. Sex is as much spiritual mystery as physical fact. As written in Scripture, the two become one. Since we want to become spiritually one with the master, we must not pursue the kind of sex, must not pursue the kind of love that avoids commitment and intimacy, leaving us more lonely than ever. Now, see, that kind of sex, that can never become one. Because there's a sense in which Sexual sins, they're different from all the others. In sexual sin, we violate the sacredness of our own bodies. These bodies that were made for God-given and God-modeled love for becoming one with another. Or didn't you realize that your body is a sacred place? The place of the Holy Spirit. Don't you see that you can't live however you please, squandering what God paid such a high price for? The physical part of you is not some piece of property belonging to the spiritual part of you. God owns the whole works. So let people see God in and through your body. I don't know about you, but I need to pray after reading this. So let's pray and ask for God's help and then we'll get into his word. God, thank you so much for today. I ask that you help me. And God, I pray for each person here that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see exactly what you want to say to us, God. Let us not misconstrue it, but speak to our heart, and I believe you'll do that, God. I thank you for it, and everybody who agrees with that can say, in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, um, how many of you know somebody who's just maybe a little overdramatic? You know somebody overdramatic? Yeah, don't point at them. That would be really embarrassing. Uh, some of you are like, it's me, I'm that person, I can tell. Just settle down, all right? You're embarrassing yourself and me. Um, why do I bring that up? Well, if you know my kids, I talk about my kids a lot. Um, my kids are a little bit extra. Uh, it's true. This is a true story. My son Oliver, he, uh, he, this was a while back, came up to me. He's like, Dad, are we famous? I was like, I was like, no, and you are definitely not. You are basic. You are so basic. Um, why? Why am I bringing this up to you? Because I don't want you to judge me for the next thing I'm about to tell you. I want you to have good thoughts, peace in your heart towards your pastor, lots of love coming your way, uh, you know, and from you to me. But, um, like, I just got like, I love my kids. I love being a dad, and I love being a pastor, and I'm really glad that I get to raise my kids in church. I always want my kids to love the church, and I pray they always love the church, and they do love the church. I'm thankful for that. To be honest, they might love the church a little bit too much um, because, see, once they figured out that, like, the way I serve in the church is maybe a little bit different than the way other people serve in the church, they kind of let this— get to their head. So like you might see my son Oliver, like sometimes he comes in here and he's like high five in the worship team, like fist bump and he's like on the platform. They're like, what are you doing on the platform? And he's just like my dad's the pastor. <laughs> and uh like he'll walk through like the back hallways and like the place he's not supposed to be and somebody's like Oliver what are you doing back here? He's like my dad's the pastor be out like in the lobby, filling his pockets up with mints. It is a miracle of loaves and fishes in our house, the mints that come from his pockets. And like, Oliver, what are you doing with the mints? He's like, my dad's the pastor. He'll go to the coffee bar, grab a cup, take the half and half, just pull it straight in a cup, just straight pure cream. Like, Oliver, what in the world are you doing? My dad's the pastor. That, that is his, that's how he rolls. Well, one time Marissa uh, saw him doing this. And she's like, Oliver, why are you acting like a fool? Like, are you telling everybody that you're the pastor's son? You need to stop that. Quit acting that way. Um, So wouldn't you know, like the next week, he's going up, stuffing his pockets with mints, pouring half and half in this cup. Somebody says to him, hey, aren't you the pastor's son? He's like, well, I thought I was, but my mom told me I can't say that anymore. Obviously, I'm joking. <laughs> kind of misinterpreted what she was trying to tell him, and uh, I bring that up because one, I don't want you to misinterpret what I'm going to tell you today. You know, we can say something and mean something, but we hear something completely different, and the way it plays out in our life, we get a completely wrong message. Not just that, but you know, Oliver he's kind of walking around doing his own thing because nobody ever told him any differently. And I think there's so many of us that we live our lives in such a way simply because nobody has ever told us any differently. Well, that's what was going on in Corinth. And I got to tell you a little bit about Corinth because the Corinthian church, it's this letter that Paul is writing, 1 Corinthians. The Corinthian church Like, Paul loved this church. He loved this place. Uh, Paul was in Corinth, spent more time there than any other city in his ministry, with the exception of Ephesus. Paul loved these people. Had a special place, a soft spot in his heart for the Corinthians. And so he's writing them this letter, and the reason he's writing this letter is because he wants them to know, hey if you want to walk in God's plan for your love life, the way you're doing it is not working. It's like, Hey, just so you know what you're doing, you are making it harder on yourself than you need to. And so he writes to them and he's trying to help them out. And it might be helpful for you to know a little bit about Corinth because Corinth was an influential city the day that Paul's writing to it. Like, Corinth, it was about 100,000 people, thriving city in Paul's day. 100,000 people, that would have been a big city. I mean, Rome, which this was under the Roman Empire at the time. Rome was only a million people. So when you have a city of 100,000 people, it's a city of influence. This is a place where people want to be. It was popping. It was happening. Part of the reason it was such a thriving place is Because there was a road that went right through the city, a major interstate, major highway. And this was really optimal and opportunistic for industry, for trade, people who want to start business. If you wanted to kind of set out, make your mark, strike it out on your own, you would go to Corinth because there was a lot of opportunity to make something happen there. So people went there for financial reasons, financial opportunity, but not just for financial reasons because... There's was also like, it was just a great scene. It was a cool city, great culture, great art, great entertainment. There were things to do, had an amazing downtown. It was just phenomenal. And so you had all these people who were moving there like in the prime of their life, people who were hoping to make their mark and really strike it rich and do their kind of thing, prime of their life. And then you also had people who had already made their money, wealthy, and they're going to Corinth because, well, it's a cool place. They want to go there, they want to retire, going to live out the last part of their life in this thriving, amazing city. Needless to say, you get this city full of beautiful, young, and rich people. Passion is at an all-time high. So much so that Corinth is actually, was actually considered the sex capital of the ancient world. Now, part of the reason for that is because in the middle of the city was a hill. And on top of this hill was a temple to Aphrodite. Aphrodite was this Greek goddess. And uh, just like, you know, we might say chocolates or aphrodisiacs or flowers or oysters Well, that comes from Aphrodite. Aphrodite was the sex goddess. And in her temple were 1,000 prostitutes. Why is that important to know? Because every night, these 1,000 prostitutes would come down from the hill and go into the city. And if you wanted to worship Aphrodite, well, you can kind of use your imagination on how that happened. This was just a normal day in the city of Corinth where (laughs) complete paganism was the rule of the day. And Paul, he comes to the city and reaches these people with the good news of the gospel. He comes to them and says, God loves you. Jesus died for you. There is hope for tomorrow you don't have to live the way you've lived. I've got some good news for you. And he preaches the gospel, plants a church. These people turn to God. But you can imagine living in this city, you have all these people who want to honor Jesus, but then Paul goes away to plant another church. And they're living in a culture that's very adverse to what they would have learned. Living in a culture that is very counter to what Paul taught them. It just would have been so easy to slip into their old ways. What I'm trying to say is Corinth had a reputation. You know how cities develop reputations, right? Like if I say Hollywood, you think of movies, right? Not a trick question. If I say Nashville, you think of music. If I say Lawrence, you think of, I mean, I would have said velocity, but... That's what I think of, but basketball, whatever. You say Corinth, you think of sex. That's what you think of when Corinth is mentioned. So much so, the word Corinth, look it up, Google it, the etymology, it actually became a verb. To Corinthianize was to describe someone who would basically just have sex with anything. That's the culture that Paul's writing to. So you got to imagine, I'm trying to set this up so you can see yourself in this story. You're in this city. You get this letter from Paul, and he says, hey, I want to talk to you about God's plan for your love life. And you got to be thinking like, "Uh, Paul, you crazy. You don't know the way the world works. Like this is just normal. Like, I get, okay, like, you were Jewish and, you know, maybe, like, in Judaism or maybe, like, in Israel, that's kind of the culture. But this is Corinth. Like, well, we're smarter than that. Like, we've learned a few things. This is just natural, just the way that it is. It's normal, everyday life. Paul's like, "Um, no, actually, This is what God wants for your sex life. I mean, there's this part in 1 Corinthians, you can read it for yourself, that he's trying to give them some instruction. And he actually says to them, all right, you want some rules for your sex life? You might want to write this down. Don't have sex with your dad's wife. What? Like, you, you have to spell that out? Like, isn't that kind of obvious It's like, no, you need to um, take notes on this one. This is one thing you got to remember. Don't do that. Okay, that's not going to really work out well. This was the kind of stuff Paul had to tell them. And you might be wondering why I'm taking so much time to set this up for you. One, I just want to make everybody feel really good and awkward. But what Paul is saying to the church in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 16, applies to us very much today. And this is the one thing, I just have one point that I want you to get today. It's the only, this is just my introduction, okay, this, this sermon. It's going to get way worse than this as we go on. <laughs> Joking. Just one point. How you love shapes how you live. How you love shapes how you live. There are very few areas in your life that are going to impact and affect the outcome and future and destiny of your life more than your love life. That's why scripture tells us guard your heart. We've looked at that scripture before. Guard your heart with Some diligence? No, it says guard your heart with all diligence. Why? Because out of it springs the source of life. Meaning your heart is powerful. You you can't outrun your love life. And how you love shapes how you live. You can't think of your life like one of those old cafeteria trays. You know what I'm talking about? Where it's like, okay, uh, the milk goes here in this little quadrant. And I'll put my peas right here in this quadrant. And I want my mashed potatoes right here. And I don't want anything touching. I think that's how we live our lives a little bit. It's like, God, uh, this is my love life. Hands off. I, I, I'm giving you this one section, God, but no, not my love life. No, don't, no, God, I don't want you to like talking to my finances now. I don't want you touching those. Get your hands off the goods. Like this is, I'll give you this one little section right here. And this is the section one hour on Sunday, unless the weather is really, really good or really, really bad. I mean, thank you, Lord, for dying on the cross for my sins, but this is what I got to give you. And what I'm trying to help you see is that part of the reason you're frustrated, part of the reason things aren't working in your life is because what you're offering God is a very carefully selected, carefully curated portion of your life and you can't do that. God wants all of your heart. And what it's like, it's like, you're wondering, God, why are my finances a mess? Your heart's the issue. God, why is my job a mess? Your heart's the issue. God, why is my family a mess? Your heart is the issue. Because it's like you have cancer, you're going to the doctor, and you're saying, okay, uh, I need your help. I want you to help me, but I'm only gonna let you work on my hand. Just touch my hand, that's it. not gonna let you touch this stuff in here. I'll let you have this, and that's it. And you're not gonna get very far with that. You can't compromise, keep making poor decisions when it comes to your love life and not think it's not going to impact every other area of your life. Which brings me to this. Man, I think we all bring these in with us, right? Uh, Use mine all the time. I actually read a study uh, that says we touch our phones 150 times a day. I almost called this sermon (laughs) touchy-feely. It's actually not 150 times I lied. It's 150 sessions. So you touch your phone way more than that. Sessions meaning not, that's not counting when you check the time. That's when you open it up and engage with it. 150 sessions a day. 150, that's once every six minutes. That breaks down to four hours a day. That is 25% of our waking life. And, I mean, these aren't necessarily making us better. I mean, they're not making us better drivers, that's for sure. <laughs> They're not uh, helping us communicate better. Pizza is bae. Cash me outside. <laughs> not making us smarter. But they are affecting us. They are impacting us. Um, they're actually rewiring us. New conditions being uh, displayed all the time. They've actually uh, defined a new few things. These are real. Not making these up. PSA is one of them. Phone separation Anxiety. It's where you feel uh, tense. Anxiety comes on you. It's like a panic attack when you're separated from your phone. That's why more and more young people every day are sleeping with their phone. Phobo, Not FOMO, FOBO. Fear of being offline. Where you feel disconnected. Feel like you're missing out. Here's my favorite one. Uh, phantom vibration sensation. That's where you get a text message, pull out your phone, except you didn't get a text message. Eh, But I'll just look on Instagram since I'm on here. Your body is craving it so much, phantom vibration, that it tricks you into thinking you. Be honest in church. Have you ever had phantom vibration sensation? Anybody? Okay, these are the addicts. Everybody look at them. (laughs) What does this have to do with our love life? Because technology and our love life and romance has become so interconnected. Might be interesting to know that one third of everything on the internet is pornography. One third. A full 36%. Put that in perspective. What that means is right now, we'll just take today. Everything that is mentioned on Twitter Everything that is looked at, searched, purchased on Amazon, and everything that streams on Netflix today will still not be as much as how much porn is downloaded and viewed today. One third, one out of every four Google searches are sexual in nature, and Let's not forget dating apps, advent of the dating app, which I just want to pro tip. I would silence your phone right now because, I mean, if you get a Tinder notification while I'm preaching, you are going straight to hell. (laughs) I mean, it is on the authority of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. You need to silence your phone. Since I brought up Tinder, let's talk about that for a minute. I know you probably know how it works because you have a friend that was on there once, but um, you probably know this in case you know. The way it's supposed to work is, well, you see somebody's profile, you swipe, and then uh, if they swipe on your profile, then it brings you into a conversation. And um, within this conversation, you begin to share the deep things of your heart. And after a prolonged period of time, writing letters, getting to know them better. Uh, Eventually, you'll meet each other's parents. And uh, after a very professional, civic, appropriate proposal, definitely saving the sacredness of sex for marriage, you'll eventually go to the altar and get married. That's the way the app was designed to work, authors. I think there's three people in the world that use it that way. The way most people use it, though, is to have sex with strangers. It's easy hookups. Now, why am I telling you all this? First of all, am I anti-technology? No, we are not gonna like pass buckets and everybody's gonna put their phone in there. We're gonna go back to churning butter and making our own clothes. It's not what we're gonna do. (laughs) Am I anti-dating apps? No, I'm not anti-dating apps. Tinder, yes. Dating apps, no, I'm not anti that. What I'm trying to say is that we are still very much living in the era of 1,000 prostitutes of Aphrodite walking down the hill, and we are very badly in need of hearing what Paul has to say to us, which is not sex is evil, sex is bad don't do it. Wouldn't you agree? It's not what he said. Because that's the way the pendulum swings. Like there's this Corinth side where, hey, it's normal. It's natural. Just do it. This is the way the world is. You know, it's like if just it's just a human thing, just the sensation, just the impulse. If you're feeling hungry, you eat. If you're feeling sexy, you have sex. This is just the way it works. That's one side. The other side is It's dirty. It's nasty. It's evil. Don't do it. But Paul comes in right in the middle. He says, no. It's not either of those. And maybe that's why we don't hear about it in church that much because it's like one of those two pendulums. Paul says, no, sex is pleasurable and it's powerful but it's God-given. Therefore, it needs to be God-governed. And God, who invented sex, how he wants us to use it, is how we should use it. So Paul, he's, he's trying to sit down these Corinthians and say to them, hey, we need to have a talk. And I want to open up your eyes to see that there is more to this. There's More to this than just something physical. That's why he goes all the way back to the Old Testament and references something that Jesus referenced, by the way, which is that when sex was initially given, it was done within the parameters of marriage. He says, and there, in that place, the two shall become one. What's he trying to say? There's more to this. There's more to it because if you're becoming one, you can't un-one something that's become one. It's like trying to scramble eggs and then trying to afterwards separate the individual yolks and put it back into the shell. You can't do it. And so he says, I want you to know God's plan for your love life. I want you to know the way God sees this. And this is, This is what sex is. The way God designed it is it's an act meant to speak louder than words of I give myself to you and to no one else. I commit myself to you. I will be there for you. I'll be excited 10 years from now. It's not just a hot moment. I'm committed to this. I'm committed to you. I pledge myself. I want to get old with you. I want to die with you. I want to raise children with you. I want to be a grandparent with you. That, that's what you're declaring. It's cementing that bond. I'm committed financially. I'm committed legally. I'm committed socially. I'm committed emotionally till death do us part it's saying me and you against the world it's saying for better or for worse it's saying when good or when it's bad it's saying for richer or for poorer we're gonna be together it's saying i'm yours and you're mine it's a commitment and the problem is when you have sex but you're not meaning any of those things, you're telling a lie. You're lying with your body, and you are lying to yourself, and you are lying to that other person. And when you begin to flippantly use something that's meant to be sacred, you begin to erode the power of the bond. It begins to work against you. Because you're making a covenant, but you don't believe in that covenant. If you do this over a number of years, you can numb yourself to the point where it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. So Paul's saying, hey, don't be using this flippantly. It's a sacred thing. See, sex outside of marriage isn't... A sin because it's bad. It's a sin because it's so good. Because God gave it to you as a gift to cement the bond. So, why am I telling you this? Here's what I want you to get this is not about putting shame, guilt, condemnation on your past. That is not what I'm about. It's not who we're about. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty about the past. I'm trying to help you fight for your future. I want you to see that God has something so much better for you, so much better. And so here's the problem. What happens, and this is just week one, just setting up the introduction. What happens is there'll be some of you who are like, "Hmm, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I really agree with that if I really believe that and you're pushing back and the reason you're pushing back is because you know the Holy Spirit is already speaking to your heart speaking to your heart about that relationship right now can I encourage you come back next week don't shut out what God wants to do in your life God is God is not out to condemn you He loves you He wants what's best for you He sent his son Jesus to die on the cross so he could have relationship with you. He's not trying to shut you out. He's trying to help you. So don't push back against this. The other thing is you might have some regret. You might even be feeling some despair about your situation. And all I can say to you is that it's never too late to turn a new page. it's never too late to turn a new page. Might've been better to hear this a long time ago. Some of you, I think it's like Oliver. Nobody's ever told you any differently. And I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying either. But whether you should have heard it two years ago, 10 years ago, would have saved you from some consequences. What I wanna tell you today is that I believe that even if you should have done it back then, it's not too late to give yourself to God right now. So you'll just turn a page. Just turn a page. Today's a new day. I'm a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. All things have be- I'm gonna turn a page. It's a new day. I'm gonna take another step. It's a new day. Oh, I messed up. I'm gonna turn the page. It's a new day. It's a new day for me. And if you just keep turning the page turning the page, eventually you're going to come to a new chapter and God is going to bring his grace in your life. You're going to see him begin to work in your heart. I believe that our God can make a way where there seems to be no way. I believe that God can make things brand new, that Jesus who turned water to wine can still work a miracle in your heart. And I believe he wants to. Why is there more to love? I want to wrap up with this verse. Lamentations 322 says, the Lord's love never ends. His love never ends. His mercies never stop. Maybe your past mistakes are great. Maybe you have some big regrets. Maybe it's painful. But no matter how big that is, there's more to God's love. There's more, his love never runs out. His mercies never stop. They are new every morning and every day is a new day. There's mercy for you today. There is grace for you today. There's, there's grace for what you're dealing with. There's grace for the temptation you're facing and there's grace for your past mistakes. There is grace and mercy for you today.